I'm preaching. I won't even shame you for it. Uh, you can go to theapc.org on the right-hand side at the very top. You can click download our app. It's been newly revised. It's very helpful. Anything that you need to know about the church, our events are there. There's a giving portal there. Uh, uh, there's a, a prayer uh, a prayer line there that you can submit prayers for people to pray. There's just all kinds of things there. Take a look. I don't have time to go through it. Went through it last week, but it's worth your time. It's worth the download. It'll take just a couple seconds, and it's a great way to stay connected. All right, everybody say, preach. All right, I will. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What a promise. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms. He blessed God and said, Lord, now let thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light. Everybody say a light. Look at somebody right next to you and say, we could all use some more light. A light to lighten the Gentiles. Other translations will say that he said it's a light for the nations and the glory or the honor of the people of Israel. I want to preach just for a little while today. All I want for Christmas. All, I look at somebody and say, all I want for Christmas. Now, so, you know, some folks just got afraid because they're afraid of what's coming next after that, right? But I want to preach to you about all I want for Christmas, and I hope you'll join me with my desire and my answer to that statement by the end of this sermon. Lay your Bibles down, lift your hands to heaven, and would you ask God just to pour into you his word just like you need him to. Come on, pray that prayer. Lord, we praise you today. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. God, you have been so good. You have been merciful, Lord, and we thank you for that goodness and mercy. They are new every day. Now, Lord, with your word, come into my heart. I tear down every wall. I tear down every preconceived notion. And I just ask you, Lord, to let your word explode in revelation to my heart and my mind. Speak to me, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. Come on, would you clap your hands to the Lord? Let's praise him for his word. All by itself, his word is so good so powerful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Now, when I say all I want for Christmas, I'm kind of taking, I'm, I'm taking a risk here. When I say all I want for Christmas, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? My two, oh, I knew it. I knew it. My two front teeth, right? All I want, my two front teeth. You know, Jessica, I've never known a child to actually say that to me. I think it's just a song. The other thing that comes to my mind, and uh, maybe it doesn't come to yours, is all I want for Christmas. It's not exactly right, but it just comes to my mind. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. You're going to be singing that the rest of the day. We're not going to be able to get it out of our minds. In fact, it's probably going to be our altar song today. All I want for Christmas. 
I, I, uh, anticipation is part of this season, isn't it? I mean, we're doing a lot to try to take that away, but, but anticipation traditionally, and, and, and I still think it's so, is, is a great part of Christmas. Waiting for Christmas. Does anybody remember what it was like? Maybe when you were younger. Maybe, you know, you've gotten a little jaded as you've gotten older. The kids are downstairs. But if I said, is anybody waiting on Christmas, the children's chapel would come alive. Because kids love Christmas. It's that excitement. It's that anticipation. When they wake up on Christmas morning, the surprises. Hopefully the surprises. It's kind of hard in my house. My grandkids have found all our hiding places. Sometimes I'll be walking through the house and they'll bring things to me. I'm like, where did you, where did you get that? So it's getting harder. But anticipation, waiting for Christmas. It was that feeling you didn't know what it was, but you knew it was going to be good. Amen? I mean, you weren't sure, but you knew it was going to be exciting. And that anticipation, I'm going to tell you, when I was a kid, made me do bad things. I peaked. I peaked. I went and found Christmas things I shouldn't have, and I got in trouble for all that. And, but, but anticipation is part of this thing. Some, I've read, even say that because anticipation, it's, it's part of it because it includes a sense of tension that things can get better. And kids pick up on that, and even, even adults. I, I've read, and this is getting a little scientific, but I've read that there are nerve cells in our bodies that code joy and others that code have a code in them of anticipation. In other words, the, the possibility of reward actually can make us pretty happy. I can tell her, look at right now, you ought to see the smile on Ma Plu's face. She is looking forward to Christmas. I can feel it right now. There's a huge smile on your face because anticipation can make you happy. Shortly before unwrapping a present, I don't know if this is true or not. Has it ever happened to you? They say that anticipation can be so strong that your fingers actually tingle. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what, what I've read. I'm telling you, I read a little psychology thing, and it said your fingers can actually tingle because you're anticipating. The whole idea of wrapping presents is another layer of anticipation, right? It's not enough for you just to put them out there for them to see. Let's wrap them in paper and create a greater shroud of mystery so they can enjoy unwrapping those things and the surprise that comes along with it. Music. Music is a big part of anticipation. It plays a special role at Christmas time. They say that, that music deactivates the brain receptors from fear and while it's simultaneously releasing neurotransmitters associated with joy. That's why when you say, I'm going to put on some Christmas music to get in the mood, really what you've done is you've associated certain music with feelings of joy and anticipation that you've had over the year. So every time you hear that hippopotamus song, it goes back to a time where you've whistled a little bit and, and it doesn't even make any sense and you've never wanted a hippopotamus, but you sang it anyway because it's part of Christmas. And as does gift giving, especially gifts that you don't expect. You get gifts you don't expect, they said it's even a greater surprise. And when you were a kid, do you remember how slow time went? How long the days were till Christmas time? And you thought, is it ever going to get here? But then you became an adult, and those days sped up. Sped up. And now it's like, Christmas is coming! It's an entirely different 
different anticipation for us adults at time. All of this has become of what we call Christmas, and, and anticipation is part of that, and rightly so in many ways. Think about it. It's a day off for a lot of people, most people, with family, hopefully, or friends, and feasts, and giving, and focus on others, and love, and joy, and peace. Who would not in their right mind look forward to that with anticipation? Now, we read our text today that Jewish families, they went through several ceremonies soon after a baby's birth. Uh, eight days after a baby boy, Jewish baby boy was born, it was not until that moment that he was, he was named and circumcised. And so that circumcision symbolized the Jews' separation from anybody else and their unique relationship as God's chosen people. And for 40 days after a woman gave birth, she would go through a purification prog- uh, process according to the law. And at the end of the time of her separation, they were to bring a lamb if they could afford it and a turtle dove. And if they couldn't afford a lamb, they were to bring two turtle doves if they were impoverished. And they were to come and give a sacrifice that denoted that this child was God's child coming from him and, and, and given to them. It was after this process and the reason that this story exists in your Bible, Mary and Joseph, they came to the temple to take care of the things and the law. But what they did not know is in the monotony of following the rites of the law, there was something supernatural that God was setting up in the background. There was this man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was just. He was devout. He, was, he sought after God. He was one of those real people that really knew God. And he was waiting for the peace and the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for God to come down and fix this. Something had spoken to him. Something, the Holy Spirit, the Bible said, had had quickened him to understand that there was an answer that was coming for the chaos that he was living in. Israel was not a great place at this time. They were overrun by Roman rule. It could be a very cruel and barbaric place. And all the Jews were were looking back to a promise from the prophet Isaiah. We talked about it last week, that light was going to come. And that wonderful and counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting father and the prince of peace was going to show up. And this man, Simeon, Waited, and he was waiting on that answer that the word of God had promised. Can you imagine? Can you imagine with me the the, the storyline? Can you imagine how he feels when in walks Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, and something quickens him, and he realizes this is the one. This is the one that I've been waiting to be comforted with. This is the one that I've been waiting to be encouraged with. This is the one that I've been waiting, that I've been excited about, that I have been anticipating. Christ has come. It's amazing to me. I don't know how everybody else missed it. I don't know how there had to be more devout people than him. But there was something that God let him in. It was a window that God let Simeon look through. And he realized this is the child. Consider with me for a second. He had not done no miracles 
He had not turned any water into wine. No lame had, had walked by his hand or his word. No miracle had been done from his voice or his command. He simply did what babies do, and that sit there and look cute. But there was something in the Holy Ghost that moved upon Simeon, and he realized this is the beginning of the answer for humanity. I'm here to tell you today, the greatest gift that God ever gave was the fact that he wrapped himself in flesh and he came that day. I thank him, I really do. I thank him for everything he's personally done for me. And don't you, aren't you? We just came through Thanksgiving. We went through that, talking about how much God has done. But if I've got to weigh everything he's done for me in my life against the fact that he came himself and wrapped himself in flesh, there's no miracle in my life that compares to the miracle in the which he came for my salvation. There's no sickness that he's healed in my body. All of that pales in comparison to the power that was manifested in a baby that came to live and breathe and minister and die for the salvation of me. Is there anybody that's thankful that Christmas happened? Amen. You can't celebrate Christmas and not realize how giving God is. You can't, I'm sorry, I don't care if you gather in your living room, your dining room, you gather with a big family, a small family, friends, whatever it is, you can't celebrate it without coming to the realization, without accepting the truth that our God is nothing but a giving God. It is his nature. It is his essence to give to us. I felt like I needed to tell somebody like that, that today, that God's a giving God. He's not a God that takes away. He's a God that gives. And any taking away, it's for your own good. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you gotta understand, God's idea of you living is being blessed with the gifts that he has intended for your life. Giving is God's nature. Everything he's done has been a gift. You, you take it for granted all the time, but the oxygen you're sucking in right now, it is a gift from God. All of creation is a gift, a breath, a life. All gifts are given by him. In fact, the Bible talks about all the stuff he gives. It talks, he gives wisdom, he gives strength, he gives peace, he gives joy. There's not a moment of your life that God's not, God is not trying to pour into it. There's not a second that goes by that God does not desire to give to you. You gotta realize you've got the attention of the Almighty on you today. I don't care what circumstance you're going through that's trying to take away from you. You've got a God that's got attention on you. His eye is on you. The Bible, oh hallelujah, the Bible said his eyes go to and fro in the earth seeking where he can make himself strong. You've gotta walk out of here realizing God's got a gift for me. He's got a plan for me. He's got a reason for my existence and he's got good things to pour into my life. In fact, James would tell us that every, listen to this, every good gift. Well, let's think about that for a second. Everything good in my life, truly good. Every perfect gift, every complete gift cometh down from the Father. 
You can take an inventory of everything in your life and you understand this, that God's got a hand in it somewhere. That it originated and it was sourced from him. He's a giving. Look at somebody and say, God's a giving God. Look at somebody else and say, he wants to give to you this Christmas. Some of you, that listen, that's good news, right? Because your bank account is, right? And you've given until you can't give anymore. You, you, you've exhausted your ability to give. And Christmas has come, for some of you, listen, this went in my notes, but for some of you, Christmas has become a time where it's all outflow. It's everything goes away. Here, I'm going to speak to your life right now. God's got a gift for you this Christmas that he's going to pour into you. I don't care how much that's went out. God says, I've got something I'm going to pour in. I'm going to get... Come on, how many of you need something today? Don't act like you don't need something. Don't act like you don't need God to show up. We need God to show up. And I'm here to prophesy to you, God's got a gift. If you're bold enough and courageous enough to ask for it, he is good enough to give it. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm getting a gift. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm getting a gift. I'm getting a gift. Come on, get like a kid. Yeah, you're too proud to do that. Okay. One Sunday, an elderly woman fainted and struck her head on the end of the pew. Knocked her out cold. Everybody reacted just like you are right now. It was as if like somebody like Sister Rose. The whole church stopped and ground to a halt. They called an ambulance. She came in. And they came in. They put her on the stretcher. And as they were wheeling her out, she regained consciousness. She motioned to her daughter to come over. Her daughter came over thinking maybe she didn't know how bad she was hurt. This might be the last words I'll ever hear. She put her ear close to her mother's mouth and she said, My offering is in my purse. Because when you're a giver, you're a giver. It's in you. I'm here to tell you it's in God. He'll, give to, he'll chase you to the ends of the earth to give you what he wants you to have. All he looks for is for somebody to have their eyes and their hands open. I'm telling you, you say, I'm, I'll just tell this right now. Listen, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, today's your day. Oh, I'm telling you this right now. God's got a gift. Woo! God's got a spirit he wants to put inside of you. He'll chase you to the ends of the earth to give you what you need. And there, listen, I'll just tell you this right now. It's a good day for everybody, for everybody to get absolutely consumed in the Holy Ghost. I'm not looking at anybody that doesn't need a little bit more of God in their life. I'm not looking at anybody here today that doesn't need an outpouring into their spirit. God's got a gift. I said he's got a gift for you. You're not forgotten. Look at somebody and say, he's got a gift. He's got a, you got a gift coming. For some, giving is who they are. And for God, giving is who he is. That's why he can, Jesus could say words, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. How many of you have ever asked for something for Christmas? But then Christmas showed up. And it was not what you asked for. But God says, when you ask me, you receive. And he that seeks, finds it. Who else can say that? To him that knocks, it is open. And, and, 
and, and, and Jesus said, if, if, if your son or your daughter, you, it asks you for a gift or, or a need in their life, how many of you would give them something bad? How many of you would you give them a snake that would bite them or a rock that doesn't mean anything or maybe that could hurt them? How many of you, would, would, if they asked for food, you'd give them a scorpion that'd sting them and hurt them? He said, now if you being the humans that you are, with all your frailties and all of, all of your problems, if you... Of course, the answer is nobody would do that. If you know how to give good gifts, hello, hello, if you know how to give good gifts, not yet, if you know how to give good gifts to your daughter, if you know how to give good gifts to your son, how much more does God know how to give gifts? Do you hear what I'm saying right now? How much you think God doesn't know what gift to give you? You don't think that God doesn't know exactly what's going on in your life? You may be fooling me. You may be fooling everybody around you, but God knows the very hair on your head and he knows what you need. So my question here today with all of this is what have you asked God for? What have you asked God? Have you asked him for anything? Well, I just assume, you know, he's going to do it. Have, but, but have you asked? What have you talked to the Lord about? Because God gives you the gifts you need. Everybody say, the gifts I need. Now, not everything you put on your Christmas list was something you needed. That Jaguar, Avery, it ain't happening. The old diamond ring, 10,000, not happening. Not everything that we want is what we need. Psalms 84 and 11 says this. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and mercy. Read these with me. What does it say? No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Man, is that not awesome? Is anybody with me right now? No good thing will he hold back from you. That means if it's good, God said, I'll let you have it. But it also presents an opposite truth, that if it's not good, he may hold that from you. He may keep the things that are not a good gift. He may withhold a bad thing. There are gifts that you call gifts that you do not need. Has anybody ever showed up at Christmas morning and got a gift that you did not need? Anybody? Do we need to have testimony service and just let it out? There are gifts you don't need. I'm going to tell you, here's a gift you don't need. Another coffee mug. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But let me tell you how many coffee mugs I have. And let me just tell you, this is, this is my philosophy on coffee. This is me. This isn't everybody else. I don't need entertainment when I'm drinking my coffee. I don't need a cute saying. I don't need anything with a cat on it, Malplu. Nothing. I just want what's in the cup. Don't need. Anybody, some of you have gotten some coffee mugs. It's a gift I don't need. I'll give, I'll give you a gift I don't need. Exercise equipment. <laughs> Nothing says Merry Christmas 
like a device that says, you need this help. Or the way that I take it, that's probably how you say it, but here's how I hear it when you give me exercise equipment. You're fat, use this. <laughs> a gift I do not need. Another gift I don't need is anything that's marked as seen on TV. In the original Greek, this is translated, does not work and will take up storage. Don't need it. Don't need it. In fact, let me show you. I saved this. This is years old. Years old. And I thought maybe this would help somebody. And so I want to show you this. If the cameras, if you can zoom in on this for the people online. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a sock assist. It's really in here. A sock assist. Now, I don't want to be unsensitive. There may be somebody on this planet that needs a sock assist. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I knew there'd be somebody. But the day, and they may come, but the day that I cannot somehow reach over or wander around in the floor and not put my own socks on, I'm leaving my last will and testament. Put me in the chair in the corner with my jello and my Bible, and I'll wait till Jesus comes. A gift I do not need. There are gifts, folks, that want to be given to your life that are a whole lot like this. You don't need them. Maybe we should stop accepting gifts we don't need. Now, I'm not trying to blow up your family Christmas. Don't do this a week or two from now. I'm talking spirits. I'm, about to, I'm changing gears here, all right? I don't want to blow up anybody's family. But maybe there's, we ought to stop accepting gifts that we don't need. Maybe we ought to start identifying what's from the Lord and what's not from the Lord. Maybe we should, not, we should realize that what gifts are God's gifts and what gifts are not. Because God is not passing out discouragement. God is not distributing doubt and faithlessness. God is not peddling hate or giving that out. Selfishness didn't come from him. Discontent didn't come from him. Depression didn't come from him. Anxiety didn't come from him. Fear didn't come from him. Disunity didn't come from him. Gossip didn't come from him. Disconnection didn't come from him. Isolation didn't come from him. Those are gifts from hell that Satan is trying to put into the life of anybody trying to be a believer. You ought to say, you know what? This ain't worth my time. This ain't worth my treasure. This ain't worth my attitude. And it's definitely not worth my salvation. God's got good gifts for me. He's got stuff that I really do need. Come on. He won't withhold any good thing. He won't withhold any good thing. But listen to me. He may withhold a bad thing. Sometimes God says no. Parents, have you ever been there? No. Sometimes he says no because it'll kill you. 
It'll kill your walk with him. It'll distance you from him. So he doesn't give you that gift. Sometimes there's gifts that we want and we say we need. And God says, no, because it's not the right time for that gift in your life. It's not that the gift is wrong. It's the timing that's wrong. Knives are very useful. But we do not give them to a three-year-old. Because a three-year-old doesn't know how to handle a knife. Doesn't realize the harm they could do. Or even realize the potential that it has to help. There are some gifts God says no because you can't see what I see. You don't know what I know. You don't understand what I understand. And what you think will help you actually right now will harm you. You've got to trust that God will not withhold any good thing from you. And if it's not coming, then just understand it's not good yet. Sometimes he gives, won't give us gifts, certain things because you can't handle it. What helps one can hinder another. See, God knows how to give you the gifts that you need when you need them. God knows how to give you the spouse that you need, not a different one. He could give you a new spouse. He can make her heart right. He can make her, her, his heart right. I've literally dealt with people that say, well, I feel like God is just moving me to another relationship. Oh, show me chapter and verse for that. Listen, I'm gonna tell you the side that God is on. He's not on your side. He's not on her side. He's on his side and marriage is on his side. And when you get on God's side, your marriage will work. He'll give you the job that you need. I'm not making enough money. You're making exactly what God said you could make. I'm not working in the right place. You're working exactly where God's got you working. You've got to trust that every good gift comes from the Lord. And these days, if you've got money to put in your bank, you ought to thank God for it and realize that promotion comes from the Lord. Come on, somebody say, I've got good gifts. He doesn't withhold good gifts. He'll give you the home that you need. He'll give you the friends that you need. He'll give you the strength that you need, the stability that you need. He'll give you this assignment and the ministry that you need. He'll give you the help that you need. You just hold on. You just wait. And you just trust. And you'll see God come through. Come on. Simeon waited his entire life to see the promise of God. But... He was tuned in enough. Listen to me. He was tuned in enough to be in the right place when the gift was ready to show up. That man in Jerusalem, he was devout. He was just. He was waiting. Everybody say waiting. waiting. And then this verse says, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then verse 27 starts like this. And he came. By the Spirit into the temple. His, his name actually means hearing or one that hears and one that obeys. Simeon spent his whole life listening. 
He spent his whole life, we don't know how long. We don't, we don't know how old he was. The only thing we can surmise is that he was near death because he finally says, let me go. Let me go. I'll go by the way of the grave now because I've received the promise that you said. We can only assume by those words that very possibly he was an older person or maybe at the end of the twilight of his life. I think it's safe to assume that it's very possible that he had spent a large amount of time waiting, waiting. Is this the one? I don't know how that looks. You know, Nathan, maybe every time he went to the temple, he was checking babies. I don't know. Let me look at this one. No, that's not it. That's not it. That's a cute one, but not that it. All his life waiting for the consolation of Israel. The New Testament, Luke uses the Greek word that means I wait in order to welcome. He knew there was a gift coming and he was willing to wait as long as it took because there was gonna come a day where he was gonna welcome that gift into his life. I wonder if we could get the spirit of Simeon going this Christmas and realize that everything that we're waiting on, it's not a drudgery, it's a promise that's waiting to come and we're waiting in in order to welcome those promises of God into our life. And can you imagine that day? That day that we read about right here. God woke, up, woke him up and said, today is the day. Today is the day. You need to listen. But listen, God, I'm tired. It's been a full weekend. I don't know if I can go to church today. God said, wake up, Simeon. Wake up today. You can't miss church today because the promise is coming today. I wonder if somebody has that kind of anticipation today. God woke you up for a reason. You're not here by accident. I think you're here by the Spirit. I think you're here because the Holy Ghost has brought you to hear a message that says today's the day. That gift you've been waiting on. That gift you've been hoping for. That gift that God said you could have. You can have it today. Today's the day. Today's the day that you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Come on, Simeon, you've heard me, you've felt me, but today you're going to see me. Can I tell somebody that today? You've heard him, you've felt him, but I know God's will is that today you see him in your life. When God gives, listen, those gifts are worth waiting for. Somebody say amen. I need somebody that's received something from the Lord to say amen right there. God's gifts are worth waiting for. This was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death. And all those years he waited. So, so here's a question that comes in my mind. We, we surmise that he waited for a lifetime. What would you wait a lifetime for? What would you? I mean a lifetime. What would you go through years and decades and be faithful to just so that you could see it? I gotta tell you, there was something in Simeon that said, when I see him, it's gonna be worth it. When I get there, it's gonna be worth it. I think sometimes we have a warped sense of reality, of what, we look at what this world can offer us and what this life and this, this terrestrial plane can offer us. And we try to make this life the best. This life as good as it can. But, but, but the writers of the New Testament, they were clear. We are pilgrims and sojourners on this planet. And we have been lulled into a false doctrine and false truth that says the best thing that could happen is for you to have a great life on earth. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. The best thing that could happen is for you to have eternal life. That when this life is over, there's the arms and the hands and the, and the hold of heaven on your life that when this life and this body decays, there's another one. 
that's made, been made new by the power of the Holy Ghost that continues to live forever because God's gifts are worth waiting for. The wait was over for Simeon. And I'm here to preach and tell you that the wait is over for us. I just got to remind you, Christmas has already happened. Oh no, Pastor, we got, we got a couple weeks left. Two weeks, in fact, before Christmas. No, Christmas is over. It already happened. We're just celebrating something that already happened. Come on, look at somebody. There's revelation. People are, their eyes are like, I thought it was just a yearly thing. No, listen. Christmas already happened. Jesus already came. He's already given the gift. Our wait is over. We're not waiting for Jesus to show up. He's already showed up. We can have what Christmas brought 2,000 plus years ago, more than just two Sundays from now. I'm here to tell you, I think we ought to have it today. I think we ought to realize that the gifts of God are to be poured out today in this service, in this altar. He said, now I can go now because my eyes have seen his salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. And then he called Jesus, that baby, a light to lighten all the nations. He called Jesus salvation, and he called him light. Both are connected in Jesus. His name means salvation. It means rescue. It means help. And his essence are light. There is light that God has to come in and rescue you from your biggest problem. And the biggest problem that you and I have is not our wife, it's not our family, it's not our friends, it's not getting bad Christmas presents. The worst problem we have is the sin that is inside of us. But thanks be to God who has given us the victory over all these things. Why? Because he came and he lived and he bled and he died and he rose again and he poured out his spirit light is important folks if there's ever been a dark time Isaiah I told you about it last week talked about it in intense darkness he used the words the shadow of death we're living in the shadow of death intense darkness in our world we need some light we need all the light we get. Has anybody ever got dressed in the dark? And I mean the dark. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. How did that turn out for you? Usually not good. Because in the dark, you can't see what matches. And in the light, some of you can't see what matches. Getting dressed in this dark, you show up to work looking like a clearance rack from Goodwill, right? I mean, just everything's wrong. Because light gives good perspective. And when God comes in, he realigns perspective. Back in the days before electricity, there was a tight-fisted old farmer. He had a hired hand that, that lived in the bunkhouse out back. And he took him to task one day for taking one of his lanterns, using his fuel, and going across the pasture to see his girlfriend. He said, I'm going to tell you something, Sonny. When I went to court and young ladies, I never carried a lantern. I always walked in the dark. I didn't need no lantern. I didn't waste any of that fuel. And he said, yeah, I understand that, sir, but look what you ended up with. <laughs> I guess the only thing we can learn from that is if you walk in darkness long enough, you can wake up one day disappointed in what it brought you.
Isn't it true? Am I lying? That if you walk in darkness long enough, the next thing you know, you accept the shadows for reality. You walk in darkness long enough, and the things that were light and truth, all of a sudden, don't matter to amount to a hill of beans to you anymore. Because the longer you walk in darkness, the less you really see. Darkness blinds to reality. It is the absence of light. You don't take my word for it. Take Jesus' word. He said, for he that walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. When you don't have the light of Jesus in your life, I don't care how well put together you are. I don't care how organized you think you are. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how little you have. It does not matter. When you walk in darkness without the light of the Lord, you don't know where you're going. You don't realize that darkness leads to ever isolation from God in hell's fires for eternity. You don't realize at the time that without the light of God, there is no hope for the future. But that's why God sent you a preacher today to tell you there's light available. When he came, he brought help, he brought rescue, and he brought light. God of this world has blinded the minds, darkened the minds of them that believe not. Why? Why would he do that? So that the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You can't let let darkness in. It'll blur the lines of truth. Darkness will dictate if you let it. Listen to me right now. Darkness will dictate your home if you let it. Darkness will dictate your spirit and your attitude if you let it. Darkness will dictate your family, your mind, your marriage, your, your job. Darkness will take over wherever you let it. But light tells the real story. For John said, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But that Old Testament prophet, remember, he said that light is coming. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. John said this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. That doesn't mean that the darkness doesn't understand it. It means that the darkness can't overcome it. I'm talking to everybody that's got any darkness working in you right now. The light of the Holy Ghost is in this house. And all it takes is one beam, one small amount of the light of the Holy Ghost, the light of Jesus Christ. And every bit of darkness has got to go. Every bit of darkness has got to flee. Come on, I want you to stand with me. Jesus lights up everywhere he shows Here's the story. The waiting's over. The light has come. You got issues? Light it up. All I want for Christmas is salvation and light. There were so many in Israel to that day looking for so many things. Even even some that were looking for that same consolation, but they were looking for it in wrong ways. They looked for a king on a horse with an army. They looked for a leader that would rise up and lead them in mutiny and rebellion and uprising against this enemy that had had a stranglehold on their nation. But there were those 
that were listening, like Simeon. Go to the temple every day is today the day. And realize when Jesus showed up that the promise had come. If you're waiting on him, here's what I can promise you. God will make sure you find him. He'll make sure. If you're sincerely trying to find him today, he'll make sure he makes himself known. In fact, I would, I would argue that God will move heaven and earth to prove his word to you if you need it. What are the chances he would show up at the exact time except God brought him there at the exact time? So if you've been waiting, been waiting for the answer to show up, you've been waiting maybe for years, or maybe it just seems like years, I'm telling you, Jesus is in this house. And God is ready for salvation and life to do his perfect work. There was something else that stirs me that Simeon said. He looked at Mary and Joseph, Mary and, Joseph and, and he said, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. In other words, he said this, there's gonna be some in Israel that reject him. And there's going to be some other, and this will be to their undoing. And then there's going to be others that he will become their greatest joy. My, how things are different, but my, how they are still the same. Today in this place, there's probably two groups of people. There are people that reject him and say, look, uh, I really just don't have time for that. I don't know if I believe that. I'm not willing to commit to that. And we got all of our excuses and reasons why. And it will be to your undoing. But then there are those that said, what he preached about, that's my greatest joy. You can take everything. Take the tree, take the turkey, take the presents, take it all. But if I don't have Jesus, I don't have anything. Be your greatest joy. I wonder, which are you? Are you the one that rejects? Or are you the one who said, that's my joy? My rejection of my joy, which is it? Which are you today? Here's what I hope. I hope that you'll decide, you know what? I, I like that joy option. I, I'm going to take that one. And I hope that you get out of your seat, maybe even right now, and say, I'm going to come to an altar, and I'm just going to raise my hands, and I'm going to just ask him in my own words, in my own way, God, you know what I need. Listen, in a crowd this side, there's so many needs. Some of you need salvation. You need the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. You never had the Holy Ghost. Some of you are just getting to know God, and, and you need to repent and say, Lord, look, my life's not right, and I need to turn my life to you and turn around. There, there are some that you know the Lord, but, but there are strongholds in your life. And you need deliverance and you need God to come in and just tear down barriers in your mind and in your behaviors. Whatever, whatever the need is today and wherever you're at, just understand salvation. Come on, Simeon's testifying to us today. Salvation and light are in this house. Darkness has got to flee today because light has come. Jesus has come. Come on, let's seek the Lord. Open up your mouth. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. Forget about everybody else around you. Just respond to the word of the Lord as it's spoken to you. Come on, as God has unfolded it in your mind. As he's applied it to you. Come on. That circumstance that you're walking through. Come on, the Lord's here to give you a gift. He's here to shed a broad. It's, it's, he won't withhold any good thing from you today.
The only thing he'll keep you from is that which destroys you. Come on, let's seek the Lord. Let's seek the Lord. Minister Dream, help me out here. Pray for folks right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, let's worship and pray together.